Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Today, we've got part two of our conversation with NBA veteran Anthony Tolliver, who's going to talk about one of the key commitments he made early in basketball that he stuck with and eventually paid off in helping him play for over a decade in the NBA. Let's get to it. Growing up, I didn't know I had choices. I attended the public school closest to where my family lived, and I played for whatever team in whichever sport that I could get to by walking or riding my bike. Today though, young athletes seem to switch teams as often as pro athletes. Not getting the playing time you or your parents feel you deserve? Switch teams. Not receiving the starring role you and your parents expect? Switch teams. Not feeling as appreciated or complimented as much as you or your parents want? Switch teams. Anthony Tolliver had that thought too when he was playing AU ball, but what he ultimately decided to do played a key part in his long and inspiring journey in the NBA. Anthony also shares traits that have made him such an appealing player to teams, including the fearlessness he displayed in making a big defensive play against one of the game's best and most intimidating players. Looking back, what was something you appreciated about your parents' influence on your athletic journey? Their support. You know, I think that there's a lot of parents that maybe try to live vicariously through their kids, and that turns into some really, really poor parenting, to tell you the complete truth. I think that a lot of parents try too hard, push their kids too hard, ask too much of their kids when their kids don't want it. It's different if your son, your daughter comes to you and says, hey, I want to be the greatest basketball player of all time. I want to be the greatest soccer player of all time. And I want to put in the work. You can push them as hard as you want to at that point because they're asking for it. But if you're the parent and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing, it's just too much, I think. And I think that that's what, you know, happens too often. You know, it's something I've, I've vowed to try not to be. Being a competitor, being a professional basketball player, of course I want my sons and my daughters to play basketball so I can basically teach them how to dominate. Like, cause if you listen to me and you do what I tell you to do, especially from a young age, you're going to dominate period. Um, if you put in the work, you're going to dominate. But as a parent, it's something that I have to keep a, uh, keep a lid on. And so when I see it happen in other cases, it, it's really frustrating, but I can't do anything about it. I'm not, I'm not those kids' parents, but all I can do is kind of control it from my standpoint and, like I said, it's hard. It's not easy. What's something you wrestled or struggled with in middle school or high school? Uh, in, in middle school, I wrestled and struggled with the fact that I was about almost a year younger than everybody else. And so everybody else started hitting puberty and everybody else started kind of catching up my one of my advantages young when I was young was the fact that I was taller than everybody, right? Like, you know, hey, in basketball, that's an advantage. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I hit middle school, it, you know, I really struggled with the fact that my friends who were the guards, the wings and stuff like that, they were taller than me. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I don't have any advantage over you. You can shoot better than me. You can dribble better than me. You can pass better than me, but you're, you're taller than me. 
right? So they're in middle school. They were, I had that weird, like, I was still good. Don't get me wrong. I was not, I was not great ever, you know, in middle school, but I was still good. I was still somebody you wanted on your team for sure. But it was just like, there was no level of advantage for me. What that turned into actually ended up being my greatest asset was it made me start shooting. It made me start realizing, I don't know ultimately how tall I'm going to be, but if I don't start learning how to shoot and start, start putting the work and start shooting a whole lot, even if I am super tall later, that's only going to help my cause, right? Because I've always wanted to play in the NBA since I was five, four, right? Ever since I can literally form thoughts and, and keep them in my brain, I've wanted to play in the NBA. So that was, shoot, starting in middle school. That's when it started. So I would say I definitely struggled with that. I almost quit my AAU team, which would have been a horrible decision. Um, but I just wasn't playing. And I wasn't, quite frankly, I just wasn't really good enough to play. Um, and I Was that with Coach Barry? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then what turned it around? Obviously, you just kept working and yeah, you started getting minutes. Yeah, I just kept working yeah. and just got better and got taller and just kept developing. And it just eventually turned around. And obviously, by the time I get we get to like senior year, I'm like, there's arguments that, it, you know, hey, am I the best player, right? Like, am I the best prospect? At, the, at that time, our point guard was still the most highly recruited. He got recruited from Arizona, North Carolina State. Missouri, some big schools, ended up going to Missouri uh, at high school. And that was probably the second most recruited. I was recruited more than him. I was recruited more than anybody as far as I had like 19 or 20 scholarship offers, right? So I had a lot of offers, but it was mainly, you know, mid-majors and stuff like that, uh, a few high majors. But it just like, that's about how long it took for me to really come around all the way through high school. Even it was a process, but I just stuck with it, Right. Um, instead of quitting and saying, oh, man, I, I would play a lot on this other team. Well, guess what? This other team isn't nearly as good. And you're not going to fully grow if you're playing against guys who aren't nearly as good. Right. If you're the best player on the team, who's going to make you better? So it just uh, I'm you know, that's one of those things my mom really taught me as well was like you start something. You don't you don't quit. It's just not what we do. So I'm just glad that that, you know, it worked out like it did. You played college ball at Creighton. What was your reaction to Greg McDermott telling his players, you know, I need everybody to stay on the plantation? What did you think about that? My initial reaction was confusion. Never heard that comment or phrase or anything. So, you know, that was my initial reaction. I never really got mad because I know him, right? I know his heart and I know his character. So it didn't really, I don't, I don't want to say it didn't bother me. It did bother me, but it was just more so confused. I'm like, why would he even say that? doesn't make any sense. But, you know, that was kind of my thought. And then so after that, it just became, all right, he needs to get punished. He needs to have some sort of repercussion for it. But, you know, I don't think they should fire him. I don't think that they should, you know, we live in a cancel culture. And I think that it, that gets the best of too many situations. This one is he chose like a really weird word. I don't even know. Like I said, it doesn't even make sense, right? <laughs> Never heard that phrase in my life. So, uh, but that was kind of my initial thought. After Creighton, over three years, you traveled to Iowa, Austin, Turkey, Germany, Idaho, all to develop your game. How did your game evolve and allow you to break into the NBA since you didn't have that direct route from college to the NBA? You know, I always knew, like I was talking about earlier, I always knew that shooting would be my calling card to make it in the NBA. 
I knew all the other things would help. Playing defense and all the different stuff, obviously, but I always found that any team in the world can always use more shooters and more defenders. So if I can shoot and I, and I can defend multiple positions, you know, I'm going to increase my chances of making it. So that was it. I mean, that was all I focused on when I was in the D League, wherever I went, overseas, all of that. It was post-practice. Hey, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get on the court. Whatever my role is, I'm going to fill it. But after practice, I'm working on my shooting. If, if my role is to shoot with you guys, great. That's even better. But if it's not, that's fine. But after practice, I'm going to get on that three-point line and I'm going to shoot hundreds of shots. And so that was my approach for years. And then obviously I made it. And then once I made it, my approach didn't change, right? Like it's now I'm in here because of my shooting. Now I have to stay here because of my shooting. So that work just never stopped. And it still hasn't stopped. What was that routine like after every practice? How many did you have a certain number of shots you wanted to get up or certain number of shots you wanted to make? So I'm a, I'm a big routine guy, right? But also believe in consistency over quantity. Like you know, quality over quantity, consistency is key, right? So my post-practice routine is only about 15 to 20 minutes. It doesn't mean I'm not going to get my shots up, days off, other times, whatever, but 15 to 20 minutes, but it's every single day, every single day, 15 to 20 minutes, get my shots in, get my makes in. I might do a 10 out of 13, you know, from five to seven spots. I might do, you know, different drills, different passes, Not, nothing too crazy, but 15 to 20 minutes. And you can go hard as you want for 15 to 20 minutes. It's not going to kill you, but it's consistent every single time. You've played for 11 different NBA teams. What's that experience been like for you to have such a long career in this league? It's been great. It's been a lot of moving. <laughs> Shout out to my wife for dealing with all that. Been more on her than it's been on me to tell you the complete truth. But it's it's allowed us to build a lot of great relationships, though. Relationships all over the country, you know, with a lot of different people. I mean, like you talked about, that's the reason why we're on this call right now is because we met at church. Why were we at church? Why was I at church in Minneapolis? Because I was playing for the Timberwolves, right? And so if I wasn't playing for the Timberwolves and we would have never met. Right. So it's been great. You know, it's been a fun journey. Uh, we've just met so many great people, lived in a lot of great cities and uh, developed a lot of great relationships. You've had multiple tenures with three different franchises, which tells me that you always make a strong impression. You don't burn bridges. How did you develop that into who you are? Kind of the same token of what I talked about earlier with working out is consistency. Right. I just try to be consistent with my work, but also just who, with who I am. Uh, so it's not even, not like I have to change. And sometimes that gets me in trouble with my wife. Like I don't change who I am or what I say, no matter who I'm around. Um, that could be her grandma or that could be my best friend. Like I'm going to make the same jokes and comments and, but it, it keeps it, makes it simple for me. I don't have to, I don't have to be anybody else. I don't have to fake anything uh, if I'm just genuinely myself at all times. And so I think that authenticity is something that really resonates with a lot of people and mm -hmm. organizations. Obviously, like I said, I'm a shooter and I'm a defender. So all organizations like that. So now you have that piece where, okay, obviously you can fit him into any system. There you go, shooter, defender. But now it's like, well, do we want him in, a, in the locker room? Well, if you like me, then yeah, but most people do like me. I, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in trouble. I'm not gonna 
you've never seen one bad article about Anthony Tolliver. You've never seen any negative news about who I am or what I do or what I do in my spare time because it's just not who I am. It's not what I represent. Mm. So, yeah. you know, it's it's I think it's been pretty easy for those organizations to say, yeah, we'll take him back, you know, because he had a positive impact on our locker room and on our community. That's so true. I, and I definitely think that that's a testament to your character. Anthony, here's what I admire about you as a player. You're fearless. And I think about the time you block Giannis. You work hard and your willingness to accept and embrace every role. Where does all that stem from, do you think? And do you feel like I'm missing something? No, I mean, I don't think you're missing anything. I think there's a certain amount of uh, pride that goes into into this game. And you can have that be positive for you or can actually make you less of a player. I think that a lot of guys have a certain amount of pride where they feel like they don't want to get embarrassed. So a lot of guys, they see that same exact, they're in the same exact situation and they see Giannis spin off of Luol Deng and see him about to wind up and jump and go dunk it. There's a lot of guys who would just look at him, dunk, and then keep moving, right? You know, my guy, Utah Watanabe from uh, the Raptors now, we were on the same team uh, last year in Memphis, you know, he jumped with Anthony Edwards and got dunked on, right? 100%. I mean, it was a nasty dunk. But, you know, his response was 100% right. He's like, if there's an opportunity to jump and help my team and try to block a shot, I'm going to jump 100 out of 100 times, right? Mm-hmm. There's just not a lot of guys who think like that. Yeah. Because he's, he doesn't have pride in, in, that, in that sense where he's like, he doesn't care about getting dunked on or crossed over. It's like he's putting out maximum effort for his team at all times. And those guys are the guys you want on your team. You don't you don't want a bunch of guys who aren't willing to put it all on the line. There's going to be some of those on every team. But, you know, that's not the character you want your team to have. You want your team to have that type of thought process. It's like, yo, whatever we got, whatever we got to do to get this thing done. You know, like I said, every team, every team needs guys like that. Is that fair to say that's one of your career highlights, though? Because, I mean, that's a pretty sweet play against a... At that time, he's on his in, way to an MVP, too. Right, in, so. the middle, in the middle of MVP season, and obviously he, before that and since then, he's dunked on about just about everybody, so including myself, and he's dunked on me, too. <laughs> so it's not like I'm, I'm uh, you know, exempt from the list. But, no, I mean, he's... Uh, it's definitely one of my career highlights as far as just a single moment. Like, it, it kind of incorporates a lot of, of who I am, what I represent, and how I played the game, right? Like fearless, go out, play the game, do whatever I got to do to help my team win, even if it means sacrificing my body and sacrificing possible getting dunked on and stuff like that. But yeah, it's definitely up there in, in my highlights. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. You don't want to miss the third and final part of my talk with Anthony Tolliver. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast and also rate and share it. If you have any questions, go to my website, seankjensen.com and visit the contact page. Winning is not everything, but the three H's to be a real hero in life are hustle, humility, and heart. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, and we'll see you again next time.